and welcome back to episode two of the Sideline Experts. We're back again this week, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mitchie Parker-Wilkins. Mitchie, a massive two weeks of rugby in Australia. We've kicked off our super rugby season, and we're truly pressing play on what an amazing season it will be. Yeah, look, you're not wrong at all there, Ned. It's It's been huge. We've seen Stan Sports and Nines, Wide World of Sports, well and truly in full flight. We've seen the two massive rounds of Super Rugby AU. And as of last weekend, just gone, Super Rugby Aotearoa across the ditch in New Zealand. Hard to complain. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And I do want to preface this episode by saying that we aren't in our usual podcasting spots. We had some technical difficulties last night, so we're re-recording and what should be a great episode packed full of rugby. Now, Mitch, this... This start of the season, as we mentioned, has been jam-packed. You know, the start of Stan Sport and Channel 9 have started to get going and they're in full flight. We've had a two big, massive rounds of Super Rugby, not to mention, as you said, that New Zealand rugby that kicked off. And look, I want to talk about a couple of the rules changes that we spoke about last podcast episode, in particular, the 20-minute red card rule. Now, we've seen a few already go in this competition as I, Parisian round one, got sent off for the Tars. We also saw Reds prop... Feo Tui Ika, who got sent off in round two. Uh, but I really felt that they were still in the game post-red card. What? How did you make of that change? And, and do you think it's a good one that we could possibly see in Test Rugby in the future? I think that's the key, what you picked up there, Ned. Those two red cards, both teams were still in the game, but we still saw them punished. And I think that was really yep. the designated intention of the change. We Yet we've seen subsequent suspensions to Parisian Fotuaika, but... The beauty of it is the game played on. After 20 minutes, sure, there was a punishment that was greater than a yellow, but it did the trick it was intended to. And look, there'll be no doubt some criticism. Some people will say, well, what happens for you know a punch to the head or whatnot? But I mean, it's still the same effect. So if we can see World Rugby and other, other countries looking at this, because no doubt it's a bit of a litmus test, um, yeah. it could potentially signal a change going forward. No, and you're, you are right. Like we've spoken about previously that it actually also increases the fatigue in the game a lot too. Like bringing that, mm. you know, the, the guy on the bench into the game, the 20th minute mark, often those guys are, that that's almost a fresh team. If you think about it, eight reserves, that's over half a team that's fresh coming into the second half. So taking one of those players out really adds a lot of fatigue into the game, which is what we want to do to open it up as well. Hey, Mitch, let's talk about the other side of the game that behind the lens, we've seen some great tech innovations from Stan Sport and, and Channel 9 so far. Look, what stands out to you with their coverage? Look, we're not getting that basic, you know, everyday Fox coverage that we were getting before. The quality is really good. And I'm really looking forward to see how that plays out in our club rugby and our school rugby, which is also set to be hosted on Stan Sport. Yeah, you're right then. And I, for me personally, I think that the spider cam being there, particularly for the scrums, has just added a real massive element. It means that we can, the mics attached to it. So we, we listen to the, the front row, literally, you know, yep. doing their calls, um, racism around, love that. And also the, um, the post try celebration, uh, my uh, camera behind the line where you just mm-hmm. see kind of like that video game, effect, which is huge. I mean, we've got a new platform this year. We're trying to position the game to new audiences. And if you've got that novelty, it, it's, it's a world of difference. And we only need to look at the fruit. I mean, just look at the viewing figures. I think from round one, the t- Reds Tars, it was 200,000 plus, which is four times what it got when it was on Fox the year before. And I think wow. the Brumbies, um, Brumbies Tars last weekend gone was pretty similar, mate. We're talking massive opportunity here to position the game in a novel way, in a way that even the NRL and AFL probably couldn't compete with. So the fact that we are trialing these innovations, we've got these new technologies that 
they've given us that first mover advantage. It's great. And talking about smashing records, I want to start with the Brumbies as we roll through the different Super Rugby <laughs> AU teams. And look, they took the Tars to the cleaners last week. They were clinical against the force in round one. Is there anybody who looks like stopping this Brumby side? Oh, mate, it's, whoever they are, they're going to have to be absolutely to the, to the note pitch perfect. I mean, it's crazy to think what they're putting up, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're one of the best teams in the world at the moment that – the, the knock on them last season was, yes, they've increased their attacking flair, but the set piece was what fell away. But now mm. the set piece is as dominant as ever and you have the attacking brilliance of of some of those key combinations. And it's been a really big season for Lenny Katow. We saw, we spoke about him yeah. a couple of weeks ago about he could be one to watch. And boy, has he been one to watch, Mitz. He set the world alight in both those games, made a fool of Tavita Kurandrani in round one. Yeah. And then at outside centre, in round two against the Tars, set up at least two or three tries just by by pure brilliance. Yeah, you know, mate, you're absolutely right to draw attention to Lenny Catown, also to his centre's partner, Ira Simone. I think the beauty of that that combination there is the fact that both players are pretty dynamic and that they both can carry the ball but also distribute. So it adds that element of the unknown that other teams, you know, trying to defend perhaps aren't able to read and it gives that time for whoever's distributing to jockey a bit more and decide off the cuff, look, holes opened up, I can take it, or whether to distribute. That unknown fact is huge, particularly with modern defences. They're stacked. They're pretty rushed. So when you've got that element of who's going to do, take the ball up, um, yeah, it opens the game wide open. And as for your set piece point you alluded to, I, I saw some stats on Twitter the other day, and it was basically saying that, as, you, as you've clearly observed, the set piece is so on point at the moment that it's matched by only one other club in the world at the moment, that's Leinster. So by Southern Hemisphere standards, they're lighting the world on fire. And don't discount the importance of those combinations in that back line, particularly in their key positions. Obviously, Nick White's been there, come back for a little while now. Noel Alessio's playing 10. The centre combination there is starting to really come through. And Tom Banks at the back. That nice little spine through that back line really allows for some solidity in what they're doing. Now, we're going to cross over to Perth. We're travelling out west for the Sea of Blue. And look, they were good in their first game, and I'm really excited to see how they match up in round two. Mitch, what do they need to do to go from the nearly winners to winners this season? Yeah, mate, it's, it's interesting because when we look back at last season, and obviously the conditions weren't right, they were away from home all season, but they were able to put up some performances that were three quarters there. They had Well, the and, and you're exactly right. Against the Brumbies on the weekend, they were, they were or two weeks ago, sorry, they were three quarters there. They, they were in that game up to their eyeballs, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And especially last year when they didn't have those that X factor, which I'm sure we'll talk to in the ensuing minutes, but they they were they were still able to execute until I think the fatigue factor, but more so the lack of experience heads to drive it to the point of conclusion, to you know, till they get the points on the board. I think this year, now that they do have the likes of Tom Robertson with the Wallabies experience, they've got Kubeli, they've got you know Santiago Madrano, these wow. massive game breakers, Tavita Kundrani, Rob Carney. Those sort of wasn't he electric? Oh, that that footage that they had on stand the other week of him mic'd up, I thought was the best he's ever played. Right under the high ball, but more so as a communicator, he did not stop talking. Now, he he was outstanding, played a couple of tough games. It's going to be a really interesting battle when they play the Waratahs. I think that's this weekend, Mm -hmm. Mitch. I want to get that exactly right. Yep, they're playing the Tars this weekend, and the Tars. They've been struggling, Mitch. No 
No wins out of their first two games. Rob Penny's under the fire. Where are they at? You know, I spoke to them to be a potential dark horse for this competition, but every every uh, minute that goes on, that that dream and is is fading away quite quickly. What's gone wrong at the Tars so far this year? You know, zero from two. If the force get up, there's a good chance we see Penny get the flick. What do they need to be better yeah. at? It's interesting too because I think I think. It, it, the issue it doesn't lie with the coaching staff. The issue lies with the lack of succession planning. So when Daryl Gibson left and Andrew Hall, the former New South Wales rugby uh, CEO, left on a no- late notice, they kind of had to disrupt their succession plan. Simon Cron was the man touted for the job, and they just thrust Penny in last minute. They lost seven Wallaby capped players all in one over over the Christmas break. This is a huge generational shift. It's forced, and we've we've broken this excellent excellent balance which a good footy team is meant to have where you've got those experienced operators you've got those middlemen coming through that are pushing those wallabies on us and then you've got below that your newbies with a lot of potential at the moment you've got a few wallaby level players you've got a few definitely on the newbie side but that middle wallaby level like all i can think of at the moment is maybe the players who or not necessarily wallaby level players with experience in the waratahs jumper like you Alex Newsom's and maybe uh, Jack Maddox sort of players who are, you know, not mainstays in the Wallabies, nor are they new. But other than that, there's not those people to safeguard the middle. There's not the ability to bridge the gap and keep that generational flow going. So it's thrust too much pressure on some of these young guys like Will Harris and James Ram, who ultimately you'd look at and you'd like to think that they've got that pressure taken off of them so they can progress in a healthy way. And yeah, it's just blown up in their face, quite frankly. Now, the Rebels are really, really impressive on the weekend, Mitch, against the Reds. Do we think they have that in them all season? It's an interesting one. I think the Reds were probably a little bit below the mark where they should have been strategically on point. I, but I look at the Rebels and I thought they drove that game. The game they, they did what they needed to be in it. A lot of people will point to them and say, look, they didn't play pretty footy. They didn't score the tries. But I mean... Seven kicks off the tee. Clearly, that's all they needed to do to stay in it. They knew that if they played the territory game off a really sharp-minded plays from Matt Timur and Reese Hodge, experienced fellas, yeah. um, it was smart. They're obviously going to face a bit more of a test when they come up against the Brumbies. But, I mean, it's it's definitely within them to to do well this season. They've they've got those Wallabies players. Dave Vessels has been at the helm for a little while now. They should be starting to get settled. Um, it just ultimately comes down to whether, and we've we've spoken about it odds last year. I think the posi- getting the positions right. We talk about how Tamu was probably more twelve in our eyes. Um, you're probably looking at your Reese Hodges maybe shifting to thirteen. I, that's for me the the key to them play, getting the positions right. What about yourself? Now, what do you think it'll take for them to really push for that grand final spot? This yeah, year? you're right, and and. You know what the positional stuff does, though? It, it really puts your team in the right position to play better football and to play prettier football. And what I mean by that is if you've got Matt Timur playing 10 when really he's a 12, well, there are things he can't facilitate at 10 for the rest of your team and, and therefore you lack. Um, and, yeah. and, and we see that throughout their, their group. You know, At the moment, they're probably missing that back rower who can transfer the ball between the two sides. So we're seeing quite a one, yeah. di- not one dimensional, a full pack that plays one way, a back line that plays the other. Whereas you look across to yeah. the Reds and all three back rowers have a great passing ability, but you've also got the mm. toughness of a Hunter Pasami and a Hamish Stewart yeah. in the midfield there. So that there's that 
cohesion that can mesh in yeah. between what they're doing. Whereas I feel Absolutely like right. the rebels are sort mm. of stuck in, well, that old school frame of mind or forwards do this, backs do this, and, and they're separate units. Now, whether that can last, yes, that can keep you in games and in big games in particular, a lot of teams refer back to that style of football. But whether that can sustain you all season long is another question. So they'll need to find another way to attack, another way to get themselves out of the situations yeah. um, that'll, that'll come in front of them. Those, when we look back at those Red Bulls teams that were real, you know, contenders really stuck at opposition. So we're talking to 2015 team with this Scotty Higginbotham's and that you had that style where the back rowers were agile and they linked with the back line really yeah. well. And I think that, and, the, and Dave Vessel's probably banking on the fact that please, is he nice or only get back from injury as soon as you can? Cause we've seen our electric ears footwork for a big frame boy. Um, it's huge. And you're right. It, it's absolutely a matter of getting that, cohesion we spoke about it with game line analytics uh simon from there last year it's huge cohesion is more than just player personnel it's about strategy it speaks to everything a team brings onto the field so if they can do that if they can ideally um not lose more in players to injury than they can when they get the likes of dana hellett petty back when they get the likes of izzy nasarani who knows but i mean they've, they've definitely got to bring it up a pace if they're going to be a contender against the brumbies <laughs> Hey, finally, Mitch, let's touch on the Caxton Street cattle, a.k.a. the Reds. <laughs> They're two from two, but it really hasn't felt like they've hit their straps. They've sort of gone in and out of a couple of games now. They probably should have given the Tars a bit more of a spanking than what they did, and they never really got going against the Rebels in what ended up being a tight game. Obviously, that's a sign that they're winning when they shouldn't, but they're probably not in the same form that they finished last year in, are they? Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. Winning when they shouldn't. Because, you mean, if that game was played a year or two ago, I have no doubt they they wouldn't have found the way to get there in the end. But as we know, winning becomes a habit. They got those Ws under the belt last year. And I think that put them in the in, in the habit of clinching wins that otherwise they wouldn't have got. Um, they didn't by any means play a great game last week against Melbourne. They, they were really messy at times. They looked a little bit rudderless in attack. Um, and, and only really, I can only think for two players stood out for me. Uh, James O'Connor and Hunter Parsami. Round one, though, special props to Sarah Uru, who I thought was a, a great standing Physical at the line, really great with the offload. Um, huge going forward. Do I think that'll characterise their season, that last game? No, I think they will warm into it well. Um, and I'm, I'm keen to see what Suliasu Vinavali brings. If you can bring that energy from that almost yeah. try... I mean, yeah, it could be a really positive season ahead for them. But if they need, if they're going to take on the title, they need to not afford to have those little errors that we saw prop up in the humidity in Brisbane last week. Let's fast forward to this weekend's game. We spoke a little bit about the Tars before and the Force. This one's played in Sydney on Friday night, which is exclusively on Stan Sport. A couple of changes to both sides. The young Dan Angus Bell is out for the Tars in their only mm-hmm. change for Chris Talakai. And in for the Force are two massive ins. Um, Midi- Miotti is in as well as Tony Pulu, yeah. but also two huge outs. So Lance is gone and Kyle Godwin's out for this weekend. So a bit of X factor added in for the force. And do we think they can get, get their first win in probably about two years of super rugby? Mate, I think the pain is going to continue for New South Wales. I'm sorry to our, to our New South Welshman listening, but yeah, yeah, I think this weekend the force are going to get there. I think what we saw particularly, I think starting Thomas Cubelli is massive this week. 
And I think Jake McIntyre was impressed when he came on. The big thing for me for the force that they need to address, and it was probably their biggest problem against the Brumbies, was I thought that 10-12 channel probably hung back a little bit too far, a little mm-hmm. bit too deep when they probably could have used a smaller gap to leave the defence with less time to respond. Because then you're able to employ your Tavita Kondraranis, your Byron Rolsons off the short ball a lot quicker, and it forces the defenders to make split decisions, which often don't work out right. Um, the problem for New South Wales, I guess, is, and, it, and Rugby Australia probably listening, thinking, oh, this is problematic because we've just relaunched the code this year. We've got this awesome promotion we haven't seen for years. We need our biggest market in the country, New South Wales, to be firing. And the problem is I don't think they'll get there this weekend. So if if, if they don't deliver, pressure will be absolutely on at Moore Park. It's, as we said, I said before, Rob Penny probably is not the cause of the problems, but it, pressure will definitely hit on. Uh, I guess their best chance probably – their back row sticking it to them. We saw the Carlo Tizano has probably been one of the few gleaming. He was, at, uh, yeah, we've got to give him a special Saturday. He has been absolutely outstanding for them. Yeah, ironically, a real goer in that back row. Too. So <laughs> if he and, wants to disrupt the party, he'll yeah, need to step up. Yeah, Hugh Sinclair, I, I was subtly impressed with some of the things he did. Maddox needs to get his hands on the ball more. We've spoken about this before about players of X Factor letting their game go away from him. And and the thing that Jack Maddox has got to realise is he's one of the best players, not just in that side, but one of the most talented players in Australian rugby. He's really got uh, an amazing X, for, uh, X factor about the way he plays. So whether he operates down the short sides and, and sort of holds holds short sides together and, and snipes down there while Will Harrison open, opens up the, the far edge, I think that could be a real option for them to get him into the game earlier and on the ball. Now, if we head over to Canberra on Saturday night, we've got the Brumbies taking on the Rebels, which will be broadcast both on Nine, Gem and Stan. Mitch, again, a couple of changes. This one is a big one for the Brumbies. We've got CO out. So Scott CO in and straight into the starting side. Slipper out, Nick Frost out, and Isaac Finez also out for them. For the Rebels, a couple of changes. Reese Van Neck unfortunately went down in his debut game. What a shame. And Jordan New mm. are lazies out. And we've seen James Hansen and Lucio Sodoni come into the group for this weekend's game. Mitch, this, this will be a real barn belt. And we spoke about the battle mm. of the back rows previously last season with these two teams, but Hardwick, Kemeny and Wells uh, are not too shabby. And they're coming up against outstanding Pete Summer, Jerome Brown and Rob Valentini. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, this is huge. I, I, I think we we spoke the other week about those players that need to prove themselves this season. Rob Valentini is absolutely one of them. He he impressed last week. Uh, he's just he's got to put in some more performances to position himself back in that role of his frame because, like Pete Samu, those post contact foot uh, meters he can drive up are huge. And when he got two of them in tandem, it's massive. So if the Rebels are serious about this game, they need to nullify him. Hard Vic at the ruck, and also I think. The inclusion of James Hansen this week is going to be big. That experience from his form over in Gloucester, he had a he had a really good stint over there, and he took on more of that leadership role. So if he can come in early, get some good set piece wins with the likes of Pono Farmasili, who absolutely laid the law last week at Suncorp, that's their best chance. But otherwise, it's going to be the Brumbies show in the back line. They're spreading the ball now this season, and when you've got that centre pairing we spoke about, Andy Muirhead has been electric, and Noel Alessio and Nick White firing, it's it's tough, mate. It's going to be tough for the Rebels if they don't nail them up front. 
I've got the Brumbies by 10 and the Tars by three. What do you got for me, Mitch? I'm going to go the Brumbies by 15 and the Force by 12. Hey, let's chat about a few things that we've missed in the offseason. The first one I want to talk about is the outstanding changeover um, from the Australian CEO, the interim. What's his name again, Mitch? Uh, Rob Clark. Rob Clark. And he's been outstanding in his stint in the last 10 months, really steadying the ship for Australian rugby. And his handover now to Andy Marinos, who has been the head of Sanzar for quite a while, a controversial appointment in the sense that often he's been outspoken against Rugby Australia for Sanzar. Mm-hmm. But he really seems like the operator who, who knows the Southern Hemisphere culture and atmosphere quite well and could possibly position us really well in the future, Mitch. Yeah, I think the big takeaway from this is obviously I think he's Zimbabwean-born and South African upbringing, but he he did some administrative Played for Wales, Wales, didn't he? Yeah, played for Wales. Did some. Yeah. He worked for the WIU. I think the 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 network he's developed is going to be massive in terms of winning favour with Rugby Australia, especially going into World Cup hosting votes. We want to host it in 2027. His ability to win the favour of the home nations, of France, of the rest of Sanzar, which by all means, I can't hurt having the former Sanzar CEO. So that's going to be massive. Him playing the pragmatic role of stepping in, particularly in this great opportunity we've got in COVID to host those, that line series that the Springboks are potentially playing this year, to host the rugby championship this year if it's forced to be in one country again. That's going to be massive. So... He's got a lot to prove. He's got a good board behind him. We, we were really impressed with Hamish McLennan last year. Yep. So if they can continue that, I think the game's in great stead. No, I agree. Hey, we're going to cut this one short this week, folks. Uh, make sure you catch us on via our socials. So on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're out there. We're trying to connect with you guys as much as we can. We'll be back better than ever next week. We're going to try and bring in a guest, some of our rugby mates from in and around the traps. And we're going to make sure that uh, the sideline experts catch you with the footy ahead. Holy tomorrow. Um, yeah, good. Bloody, uh, you beauty.